0: Come now and speak your word to us. May we receive a personal word of life from you this day. In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Good morning. Good morning. And good morning to you online. It's a joy and a privilege to be with you today as the supply priest here at Church of the Incarnation this wonderful congregation led by your wonderful pastor, Father Tom Phillips, and I thank him for his kindness and generosity in inviting me to be with you today. I want to speak to you today about the goal of the Christian life, the goal of transformation. I know that you've been doing a wonderful study in the letter of Paul to the Romans. What a remarkable uh, and wonderful experience that must be for you. And to have uh, the excellent teaching of Father Tom, I've watched some of his teachings, and he's just so passionate about the scriptures and passionate about the gospel. And it's wonderful to see that youthfulness, uh, but also at the same time, a deep maturity uh, in the scriptures. So you're blessed to have him. Hi, Tom, if you're watching. <laughs> But we've come to Romans chapter 12 today. And there's a shift, and that shift is very, very beautiful and wonderful and critical for our lives, for the flourishing of our lives, even in the midst of the challenging circumstances we find ourselves in today. For the first 11 chapters, uh, the Apostle Paul has been speaking, if we used a grammar lesson here, He's been speaking of the indicative, right? The indicative mood. And of course, indicative means stating the facts, right? Stating what is. And he has done a magnificent, absolutely stunning, brilliant exposition of what God has done in Jesus Christ. The statement of the reality of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. The first 11 chapters, the indicative, the statement of what really is true. It's, it's amazing. But now in chapter 12, it shifts to a different mood. The mood of the imperative. The imperative is the command or the invitation or, uh, you know, the response. The imperative calls us to action. It calls us to respond to the indicative. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 12, this remarkable chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. you catch that imperative? I urge you. And underneath that word urge is this sense of, this is the most important opportunity you will ever have. And what is that opportunity? Well, I want to suggest to you that the key of that urgent request and response, that key of the imperative, is found in these words. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be transformed. That's the imperative. That's the imperative of everything that has come before. And notice that the Apostle Paul is appealing to us on the basis of God's grace, mercy, joy, attachment, love. And so the first thing we need to understand is that the Apostle Paul is not making a burdensome request. I I, I have to admit that when I first heard those words uh, in church when I was a young child, you know, present your body, to the Lord as a spiritual sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, that sounded really hard and grim, right? So if the Christian life is going to be grim, (laughs) but you see what the Apostle Paul does? He says, therefore, in light of everything that has come, the indicative, I urge you, I urge you how? By the mercies of God. You see, that's the fuel of transformation. That's my first point. The fuel of transformation of your life and my life is the mercies of God. Another way of translating that would be to say it is the joy of God. God delights in us. God so loved us. God demonstrated that love before we did anything. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, indicative, right? It's a fact. Well, today, I I, I just want to share kind of an illustration of this, the mercies of God and the joy of God, why it's the fuel of the Christian journey. Today, August the 23rd, is the 16th birthday of my granddaughter, Ashlyn. Now, thanks be to COVID, I can't be there. (laughs) She lives in San Diego. But I remember on her first breaths, She was placed in my hands after everything got cleaned up. And this is my first grandchild, and I looked at her, and I held her. And the overwhelming sense of joy and delight. You see, I want us to understand that that is the same way that God delights in you, by the mercies of God. Joy is the motivation for the Christian life. Joy is the motivation for the transformation of our lives. Joy is relational. Joy is saying there is someone who is glad to be with me, someone who delights in me and is glad to be with me. And so you see, if you want to enter into the imperatives of the scripture, you better have the right fuel because sometimes we live the Christian life on the fuel of duty, obligation, shame, and guilt. And my friends, I've tried that, and it doesn't work, and you burn out, and you walk away. So we need to understand that the, Paul is saying joy is the motivation here. The greatest gift of God is God himself. I urge you, by the joy of God for you, by his love for you, by his peace for you, I urge you. Give your whole life, present yourself, your body, everything about your life. Why? Because it's the response of that love and that joy you want to bring to God. You're motivated to respond because it's the most reasonable thing for you to do because of that joy and love. I wonder what the level of your joy is today. It's hard. But I want to say to you that if we could lift our minds and our hearts and recognize that God's shining face of joy and delight is looking at us, just like I looked at Ashlyn, that is God. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, his presence, his joy, shine on you, delight on you. Now, if you get a hold of that, then you're ready. So, in the light and the truth of all that has gone before in the indicative, we now are called to give ourselves in joyful response. You know, one of my greatest heroes of the Christian faith is a saint by the name of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Maybe you're familiar with him. He's Spaniard, Spanish. He established the Society of Jesus the Jesuits. He was a A fantastic spiritual teacher. He wrote the spiritual exercises. There's a lot of wonderful things in there, but there's a prayer of self dedication, a prayer of presenting yourself to God that's very, very meaningful to me. I just want to share it with you, and then I'll move on to point two. Hold on. All right. But listen to this prayer. It's called the Susipi prayer, which means to receive. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all I have, and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. And listen to these words. Give me only your love and grace, for that is enough for me. You see, that's what we're doing. We're not losing anything by offering ourselves to God. Not one thing. All right, let's move on. The second point I want to share with you today is that the aim and the goal of the Christian journey, the spiritual journey, spiritual life, or just really life, is this transformation into Christlikeness that Paul is speaking about. You see, that's why we are here. That's why God has given us his grace. Not that we would always just simply remain the same, And so the Apostle Paul says these words, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, why do you want to live in that train wreck anymore? The old ways of the world, not the beauty and wonder and mystery and goodness and truth of the world, but the human ways of the world that are fallen, that are mired, that are trapped Do you want to actually live in that train wreckage anymore? Don't be conformed to it. You see, if you just kind of take the passive route, just kind of drift along in life, you'll be conformed to the world. And that's not a very pretty picture. So Paul says, be transformed. In other words... Be in a process in which you are growing and becoming who you really are as God sees you and becoming more like Christ day by day by day. Yes, it's a process. It's a journey. We're not talking about perfection at all, but we are talking about getting better, becoming better, growing in life into that beautiful reality of Jesus, to become like him. See, that's our destiny. Now, Father Tom, I watched his sermon on Romans chapter 8. And he was great. He was really on fire. And um, he, was, he, was speaking, he was speaking about the call of God, if you remember that. Um, he said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose... For those whom he foreknew he also destined destined where? Destined to be conformed to the image of his son, destined to become Christ-like. See, that's the outcome. That's the journey. That's the aim. That's the goal. Don't drift, but aim. Because that's God is for that. He's for that in you and in your life. You see, we can aim from solid ground to become like Christ. It's grace, it's not works, but, as my friend Dallas Willard says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, but not effort. See, that's the imperative. If you don't do anything, not much will happen. This is for you to do, in other words. Now we go to point three, and this is my final point. So we've talked about the fuel of transformation, which is joy, the mercies of God. We've talked about the aim and the goal of transformation, which is to grow in Christ-likeness. That's why you're a Christian. That's why God has loved you and saved you and brought you into his friendship. It's a transforming friendship. It's friendship, and it's transforming at the same time. But here's the point. The way of transformation How do we do it? Well, listen to what he says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, it's about the mind. It's the first dimension of ourselves that needs to be changed. And because our mind, it's, it's through our mind that we first make contact with God. His word comes through our mind. And we can respond with the heart if we choose. See, the ultimate freedom that we have as human beings is where are you going to put your mind? And I'm telling you, this is so important. Because if you put your mind on the discouraging, on the negative, on what you lack, on what you're suffering on how bad it is, you will not have joy. But if you put your mind on the greatness and goodness and beauty and truth and reality of God's joyful love for you, then you can begin to emerge because your mind will be placed on the sufficiency of God, on the the beauty of God. See, where you put your mind is where your body will go. It's where you will go, wherever you place your mind. But then, how did Jesus put it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All those dimensions and parts of who you are are represented in this this imperative. Present your whole being to God and allow him to begin to transform all of those areas of your life. Bring them to God. Get your mind on the things above, not on the earth. Don't conform. Be transformed. Step out of the train wreckage into the kingdom of God. Into his joy. Well, I could go on, but I think I've said enough. I just want to encourage you today because this is the, the beginning in Romans where Paul is laying it out about how to enter into the great realities of God's love for you. That attachment love, deep attachment love that has that, said that steadfast love of God who rejoices over you who desires you, who offers you a transforming friendship. My friends, it's the greatest opportunity even in the midst of COVID-19. Thanks be to God. Amen.